We've had people from outside of the ski industry buy ski areas, and they'll say to me a year later, I've never been in an industry, say they were in manufacturing, where you guys share so much, how you're there to help each other, how if, if there's an issue, you're there to help. Welcome to the storm, live. Stuart Winchester here bringing you the first in a new occasional podcast series from Skiing's Front Lines. This first installment comes to you from the floor of the Ski New York and Ski PA Expo in Lake Placid, New York, where I caught a few minutes with Ski New York President Scott Brandy. I do have a quick word from my sponsor, Snowbound Expo, before we get going. Winter is just around the corner, and that can only mean one thing it's time to gear up for the biggest snow sports event of the year. That's right, Snowbound Expo is just weeks away, and I'm stoked to say that I'm partnering with this huge event for the second consecutive year. The Expo kicks off the 2023-24 to season for families, skiers, and riders, and takes place November 3rd to 5th, 2023, at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. The lineup for this year is pretty epic and includes Sean White, Dan Egan, Lindsey Jacobellis, Brenna Huckabee, Doug Lewis, Julia Kern, Teg Ligety, and many more. There are more than 150 brands and resorts that you can shop from, including major ski and snowboard brands, accessories, apparel, and tech for the season ahead. The full list is at snowboundexpo.com backslash exhibitors. You will see free entertainment for the family all weekend, including the mega indoor slope, skate to ski with rollerblades, Nordic skiing at the cross country ski experience, selfies and swag, opera ski and much more. We've got a free ticket code for Snowbound Expo. Redeem yours now by using code PODCAST at the ticket checkout at snowboundexpo.com. All right, let's get right into this. All 148 Storm Skiing Podcasts and the 12 COVID-19 and Skiing Podcasts have been recorded from a distance. Today's episode plants us directly where the business of skiing is happening. While the production isn't as crisp, there's a palpable energy in the room. It is me talking to Scott Brandy, one of the best ski association directors in the country, talking off the cuff on some really crucial issues. And it's short. Something that some of you prefer and have been asking for. Here we go. All right, what are we doing here in Lake Placid at the uh, Scaries of New York and Scaries of Pennsylvania Expo? Well, this is our annual event, and it's uh, got a few moving parts. First and foremost, it's about educating the ski area professional. We typically offer between 25 and 28 seminars in four different tracks. The tracks are management, marketing, risk management, and operations. Um, we have highly qualified instructors from within mostly, sometimes from outside of the ski industry. Uh, for example, in the marketing and uh, sales track, we're doing some artificial intelligence, cutting edge seminars. Uh, we have our uh, attorneys and our insurance company people doing some of the risk management tracks. I'm doing a track on insurance procurement, how to buy insurance. Uh, how not to look at insurance as a commodity. So first and foremost, it's education. 
We had a keynote this morning from Kelly Pollock, president of the NSAA, talking about uh, statistics and growth in the industry. So it's got a lot of moving parts on education. So that's number one. For ski areas to come here and justify the expense of bringing their employees here, they want them to get educated and have a round choice of classes. Like for example, Stu, you did a well-reviewed seminar from what I've heard. You did a panel. I asked you to do a panel uh, of we do a GM panel. And uh, I think you called it what keeps me up at night. You asked questions, provocative questions, standing room only. And that's great because you gave people things to take home with them. People write things down, they use them in their, their own management meetings, and that's how people grow and we learn. Of course, we have a trade show. It's about 64 booths, eight-foot booths, and you have everybody from lift manufacturers to groomers to Rossignol and you know, Head, who supplies skis for rental shops, snowmaking, uh, marketing, uh, advertising agency, uniform sales people, you name it, parts and equipment, they're in our trade show. Very diverse group, and it's wonderful. So the ski areas, there's 40 ski areas at this show, can go in and shop, but talk to people, talk about projects, talk about next year, hey, I've got this groomer, sales are made at this show. People would spend uh, $450,000 and buy a new groomer and sign the contract at this event. Uh, happens all the time. New lifts, you know, sometimes the process starts here. The other part of it is very important. Obviously, a lot of networking is fun. We all get together a couple of times a year at these type of events. We want to have a good time. I make sure we serve really good food. We have an open bar at all of our events. We have some fun, like tonight we're doing a, a theme party dressed as a rock star and we have karaoke and everybody's excited. We're going to have a lot of costumes and singing and dancing and fun uh, in this beautiful room here at the Olympic Center in Lake Placid overlooking the high peaks right out the window we're looking at. Mm -hmm. So uh, it'll, it'll be a, a lot of fun and, and it's, it's great to combine the education, good food, networking, good friends, old friends, new friends. That's about what this is all about. It's about 48 hours, so it starts on Monday, ends on Wednesday, about 350 people, 40 skiers. We've got skiers from PA, mostly from New York. We've got Ontario, we've got Quebec, we've got New Hampshire, we've got Vermont. So we've got a nice diverse group of skiers. So, I mean, this is great for your operators and they learn a lot and they come around themselves. It's really good for morale. How do the skiers benefit from your members coming together once a year in this common space? Well, one of the greatest benefits for example, let's talk about lift maintenance and education. We have two full day sessions going on right now in Wilmington at Whiteface Ski Area. One of them is through our lift maintenance committee and they're breaking down a drive today and they're getting into the uh, nitty gritty of, of the mechanics. And tomorrow we have a full day session for lift mechanics and lift professionals put by Mike Lane from the National Ski Area Association. And it's about lift safety. Uh, loading and unloading operational issues on safety. So we'll bring together, there's about uh, 20 people in each class all day. And these 20 lift mechanics, for the most part, are working on lifts. They're not leaving their ski areas. They don't have a network of people. By them being together for a couple of days, they're going to get to know each other. They're going to trade phone numbers and email addresses or you know, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they're going to develop their network. 
They're going to find out what kind of lifts do you have. I have the same lift. I have the same problem. The networking, I bring up the lift area because it's been really important there. We've been doing six lift classes a year in our lift maintenance program at Ski New York. The networking has been tremendous, absolutely tremendous. So that's an area. But, you know, even with um, the general managers, uh, there's uh, Tim Woods from Woods Valley. Um, they all get together. They talk about some of the issues, some of the management issues, some of the things that are impact, regulatory issues from the state. This has been, you know, affecting me. This is, this is how I dealt with it. So these conversations are happening all over the room. Mm-hmm. So these ski areas, even though consumers kind of experience them as, as islands, right? Other than the ones that we know are connected, like Gore and Whiteface run by Orta, they're a little more connected than probably we think. Absolutely. Absolutely. More so than other industries. We've had people from outside of the ski industry buy ski areas. Mm-hmm. And... They'll say to me a year later, I've never been in an industry, say they were in manufacturing, mm-hmm. where you guys share so much, mm-hmm. how you're there to help each other, how if, if there's an issue, you're there to help. Look look at Snow Ridge, what mm-hmm. happened at Snow Ridge. We're still collecting money for yeah. Snow Ridge, but beyond that, um, we sent Matt Allen, who's in charge of our Ski New York Lift Maintenance Committee. Mm-hmm. We sent Matt up there on our dime. We've sent various skiers who have gone up there on their dime to help to see what they can do. We're here to help. Uh, we're here to work together. But on a lesser degree, equipment's shared. Somebody needs a certain type of torque wrench that they don't have. Skiery down the road has it. They'll get it. There's a lot of that. Why is that? Why, why, why are ski areas? What, what accounts for this spirit of cooperation? I think the nature of the ski industry. This is a, a passion. It's not a job. It's more than a career. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. I've been in the ski business since the the early 80s, and I've never seen so many people work so hard, so many hours and so many holidays for so little money-wise. These are very intelligent people, very driven people, that if they were in a different industry, would probably make them four or five times and work in half as much. Mm-hmm. Certainly wouldn't be working Christmas and holidays. Yeah. They work and do this because they love it. Mm-hmm. They love the ski industry. There's yeah. something about it. There's something magical about it. I'm sure the people that subscribe uh, Stuart to Storm Skiing Journal are passionate about skiing and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I had a ski house in Vermont. Me and my buddy would sell shares to make it work. And okay. we met a lot of good people and some bombs here and there. But we would leave New York City. We both worked in Lower Manhattan. He was in the financial world. I was in the insurance world. We'd leave Lower Manhattan, tear our suits off in the bathroom, get into our cars on Friday night, and beeline up to Vermont. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we cared about. Yeah. We wanted to ski. Yeah. That's all we talked about. We tuned our skis on Thursday night. I mean, it still brings a smile to my face. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. And to think that we could work in it, the industry, was, wow, how do you make that happen? I was one of the lucky few and been able to stay in it and make a living in it. It's wonderful. The people are wonderful. So, Scott, there's this narrative out there that's pretty persistent that the ski industry is being overrun by consolidation. But when you look at New York State, 50 ski areas, Vail owns one, and that's it. The state of New York owns three. Mm-hmm. So, largely, this is a state of family-owned operations. Pennsylvania, less so, because Vail bought a bunch down there. KSL bought a few more. How important is an event like this when you have a bunch of family-owned operations who don't have the advantage of that big network, 
to getting some of those benefits of being part of a network like yours when they come to an event like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, kind of like having a buying group, yeah. you know, so to speak. But we operate like a lot of businesses, uh, not-for-profit businesses. We have a board of directors. Mm-hmm. The board of directors, we have an executive committee. We have a lift maintenance committee. We have a marketing committee. We have an HR committee. Uh, we have a legislative committee, probably the most important committee because lobbying is a very important service. So 50 ski areas, we have just so many people to draw from, more mm-hmm. than most states because yeah. we have we're more skiers than any other state in the country. But we draw from key people, and these key people work together. We have two or three calls a month with different committees. Every month we have a board call, an executive committee call. We're constantly talking. Mm-hmm. Issues come up. We just had an issue with uh, ski racing and the way races were being allocated. We get on it, we talk about it, and I address it. We have uh, legislative issues. Oak Mountain was left off a sign on the Northway, right? Comes up, we talk about it, we got a lobbyist involved, we resolve it. Mm-hmm. So issues come up or identified in different parts of the state. Some of them are, are regional, some of them are statewide. Issues with DEC. We're working with DEC. DEC's come up with new water withdrawal regs. We've had multiple conference calls with them. Uh, we're trying to level the playing field between public and private with the money that the Olympic Authority gets and their, their ticket pricing. We've, instead of fighting that, because obviously a state owns an authority, state's going to give the authority money. That's a futile fight. We try to balance the playing field and say, well, what's in it for us? Can We, have, we, need, we need environmentally friendly, uh, energy efficient snowmaking equipment. We need variable speed pumps. We need new compressors so mm-hmm. they put out the right amount of electricity at the least amount of cost, the right amount of power at the least amount of cost. We need retention ponds to store water because we can't always draw water. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need help from the state. Uh, $1.1 billion of economic impact during the four months of winter, 14,000 people employed. We're an economic driver. Mm-hmm. We need some help here. Yeah. Global warming, mm-hmm. all the other pressures that we're getting. Um, water as a commodity is getting more and more challenging to use. We need it. it freeze thaw cycles. Mm-hmm. We have to make more snow in the same place. So we're trying to get funding from ESD and from the governor's office to try to uh, fund some, especially our small areas, so they can get new equipment. So they can put in a variable speed pump. So they can take that old rotary screw compressor that's operating at 50% efficiency and get a new compressor. Right, right. So you're able to draw a lot of benefits for the ski areas in New York, which are very spread out. What What is the relationship like between Ski New York and Ski Pennsylvania? What makes this a logical partnership and how are you able to help each other and work together to... Well, that's a good question. In the past, it would have been a very positive answer. Things have changed in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and you brought it up. Um, Pennsylvania's 17 ski areas and most of them are owned by the two conglomerates you mentioned, Vail mm-hmm. and KSL, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there's only a few independence left. Right. Now, uh, we have five five Pennsylvania skiers at this event out of the 40 that we had. We have today, five. Used to be about 14 to 15. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Vail bought, you know, you look at some of the skiers that were always here. I'll rattle a few names off. Whitetail, Liberty, Round Top, Jack Frost, Big Boulder, Seven Springs, <clears throat> Camelback. Uh, those skiers were always here. Now, not anymore. Um, the biggest, the big concern is that the conglomerates, and we can use Vale as an example, 
even though Hunter is here and Hunter has a few people here, I think it's because Hunter has had a long relationship with us. In Pennsylvania, um, Vale didn't see the benefit of supporting the Pennsylvania Skier Operators Association. And they don't come to these events anymore. Okay. And um, I know they pulled out their, their fifth grade kids ski free program. It was the largest program in the country. Mm-hmm. That's no more mm-hmm. uh, because the conglomerates didn't want to support that. Mm-hmm. But Hunter uh, still participates in yours. Yeah. We've been fortunate. Russ Colton, who mm-hmm. recently re- announced his retirement, has been a very big supporter of Ski New York. And yeah. Hunter, as a result, based on his leadership and pr- promotion of us, we've been able to keep that relationship. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you another thing. We do a really good job in lobbying. I think New York State is a tough state, mm-hmm. and you've got to be active. I'm a registered lobbyist. We use Greenberg Turek. We have two very good lobbyists, a lot of juice. They mm-hmm. do a great job. We work really hard at playing defense and getting out in front of people. Um, and I think Vale recognizes the that we do a good job and that there's a big value there. Mm-hmm. Us, uh, regular, you know, the regulatory agencies, DOL, DOH, DEC, could take a real bite out of you quick if you're not watching. And then, you know what's happened in New York State. It's gone, essentially, New York City politicians dominate upstate New York. Mm-hmm. They don't understand upstate. They don't, they're not skiers. They don't know what goes on. They don't understand tourism for the most part. They understand New York City tourism. They understand Broadway tourism, things like that, but not mm-hmm. rural tourism. And uh, that's a problem. They try to regulate things that they've never done. And you have, you know, this feel good, do good type of legislation, like what we fought with with helmets. You know, they, they, they mean well, but they don't understand that doesn't work. You can't well, do they that. want to mandate helmet use. Yeah. yeah. Just they think it's that easy that we can stop people online and check their ID. Well, show me a 16 year old that has ID with their age on. How do we know? How do we tell that the, the increase in liability that they were putting on us was impossible? So you able companies. to prevent them from yeah, passing that law? We've, we've stopped those those laws in committee. OK. But you okay. have to be on top of it. Stop. Yes, yeah, they have one in New Jersey. And there's only a couple ski areas in New Jersey, but they have that law for minors. Mm-hmm. And it would only be a matter of time. So so you're able to, to, to come together. I mean, what, what's the tradition here, Scott? How, I, I realize that this is a very old organization. You've only been here I mean, a long time, but still it probably precedes you. But what's the tradition here of the New York ski area operators coming together once a year and just sharing ideas, just having a good time. Yeah, we do a good time. You can yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big party. Yeah, with, with education and, <laughs> and, a, and a lot of other components and moving uh-huh. parts. The tradition is um, we look forward to it. Yeah, um, we do it every year. A lot of people involved in it. Mm-hmm. We have different committees that are involved in it. A lot of ownership. We also do. I mean, we're really busy for a few days. We do our board meeting. We do our annual meeting. Then our board meeting. Good attendance. We, talk about the business of the association. We go over our finances. We talk about what our goals and objectives are. We nominate new people for committees and for the board. So it's just a, a lot of good people involved. We try to bring new people in. We're always trying to repopulate. You know, we have some older people involved that are looking at retirement. I mentioned Mike Pratt from the Olympic authorities retiring on Friday. Mm-hmm. Russ Colton just announced from Hunter, just announced his retirement. So, you know, we're looking to um, bring in some new people. We have some candidates. We talked about them. We're vetting them. 
you know, there's always, uh, you got to keep an organization healthy and fresh. Mm -hmm. You got to keep the ideas fresh, you know, um, and it's a good organization in that we've all known each other a long time and we have some arguments. Mm -hmm. It's not always a, you know, happy family. Yeah. We have some discussions and we bump heads on some things, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty outspoken and uh, some of the other guys are and ladies are, and uh, it's good to have that in a family, you know, yeah. talk things over and, right. and try to find out what's best for us. But we're a healthy organization financially. We have uh, we have a general fund that's very well funded. Uh, we're fortunate mm -hmm. that way. And this all, this event is uh, incredibly well sponsored and supported. It makes money for us, but most importantly, as you can see, we're able to invest money like you, your listeners might find it funny, but you know, we're having a sushi bar tonight. Yeah. And some nice sushi and you know, some nice craft beers and wonderful food station so we eat well yeah <laughs> <laughs> we like to eat well so so scott this this event isn't open to the public but i think that what one of the benefits of coming together is there's a lot of pessimism hanging over skiing long term around a lot of things liability climate cost of everything labor what are the things about skiing that you're optimistic about what do you give give people a reason to when you look ahead, what do you think? Like, okay, this is working. I, I, I feel I feel like this is going to be a win. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you first, the thing that keeps me up at night is global warming. You know, El, El Nino, I just predicted. That keeps me up at night. Mm -hmm. Hearing rain on my roof in late December, Christmas week, keeps me up at night. First thing I think of is the small ski area who just started making snow and all that snows running down the mountain, going into the river. You know, that's what keeps me up at night. What gives me hope and keeps me moving forward is the technology, snowmaking technology, the um, advancements we're making with regulatory agencies when it comes to DEC and our ability to withdraw water and store water. The fact that we can make snow at higher temperatures and higher humidities today, technology has advanced. Even, even the technology of something as simple as pipes has advanced. Mm -hmm. We're looking at things, we're working on things, we're trying to figure things out. We're trying to deal with this as best we can. And uh, I have a lot of confidence in this industry's ability to come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. It may not be the same as it is today. It may be different. Our season may be a little shorter but skiing's here to stay. And uh, I think we're gonna have good quality skiing going into the future. But we're going to have to um, continue to work on technology. We're gonna be able to, ha we're gonna have to make more snow in shorter time periods mm -hmm. and hope that um, the world wakes up, governments wake up mm -hmm. and are able to uh, mitigate the climate change and that it's able to reverse some of the things that are happening. But I'm, I'm optimistic about the industry. People want to get outside. I think, you know, after COVID, you know, low-risk outdoor activities, people want to get outside. They want to hike. They want to boat. They want to play golf. They want to ski. Uh, I see, um, you, you probably don't know this, but for a few seasons when I lived at Hunter, I was a greeter. Okay. And uh, I did it just because I love talking to people. Okay. And I love talking to skiers. And, right. I would meet the buses and I would meet the carloads of people that came up and some of the people would get out and they weren't ready to ski. 
They didn't know what was going on. And those were the people that you really wanted to help the most right. and make sure they had a good experience, at least get them on the right line mm -hmm. to start the mm -hmm. day, get them filling out the paperwork and get them moving. You know, and of course, they're picking the busiest Saturday, you know, a 10,000 <laughs> visit Saturday and everybody's slammed. And you say to yourself, how are these people going to have a good time? Well, let me let me contribute my little way to get them on the right line to start the day. And, and people would be you'd scratch your head like how are they having fun today mm -hmm. and they were i guess it's all about the person and they were out there in the snow mm -hmm. and they were having a good time and well my wife usually finds her way to hunter's excellent bar nah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, just just being out i know some people that will go skiing and mm -hmm. ski two runs it's all about being there and then sit on the deck yeah and spend three hours, have some food, start drinking beer, wait mm -hmm. for the music to start, and never go back out on the slopes. Yep. And they've had a great time. That's my wife, that's her dad, she <laughs> loves it, she loves it. So listen, at, at the end of the day, uh, I'm optimistic about the ski industry. Mm -hmm. And there, a lot's happened, a lot, may, a lot of your readers, your readers, your listeners, may not know about the technology advancements in energy efficiency and mm -hmm. snowmaking, that we can make snow at higher temperatures, at higher humidities, um, and those advancements are happening today. Yeah. So that's uh, that's really what I'm hanging my hat on. And we just had a great meeting with DEC in New York State. They are not targeting the ski industry. Mm -hmm. They're going after uh, agriculture regulations. They're looking at the aquifer in Long Island, yeah. brackish water issues in Long Island. I think they're going to leave us alone okay. and work with us and help us. That's good news. Well, good cer news. certainly a lot to feel good about and, and lots of good vibes here in Lake Placid. Scott, yeah. Thanks for having Thank me you. up. I appreciate it. Thank was, you. I'm Enjoy it. And that's my live pod with Scott Brandy, president of Ski New York. So let me know what you thought of that. Do you want to see more of those? Not as a replacement to Storm Skiing Podcasts, but as a different sort of occasional content. I am attending events like this more and more often, and this sort of slimmed down conversation could appear in your inbox more frequently in the future. Speaking of your inbox, please subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter at stormskiing.com to make sure you get all of the Storm's content as soon as it's live. You can also follow the Storm on Twitter and Instagram at Storm Ski Journal. Until next time, stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester, and I'll talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.